Uh, good, good, safe drive on the way in. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, I'll probably, uh, the next time Ben's here, I'll probably have him give us a uh, testimony of uh, God's goodness and safety out there. For those who don't know, Ben is now working with the state of Colorado and uh, out in the Morgan County area. You say, where is that? Basically, Nebraska, okay? Uh, but uh, he, uh, he, you know, plows. Uh, I, I'm thankful for people that plow our streets, man. Uh, wouldn't mind if Ben spent more time on my highway. But anyways, um, <laughs> But uh, uh, all joking aside, God, the Bible says safety is of the Lord. Yes. And uh, the Lord really uh, did something for him today and allowed him to be there to help somebody else as well. So, uh, you know, I know his heart. He'd rather be here right now, but he's working. And uh, uh, if you would pray for those like uh, Brother Ben and Brother Jose Granados as well um, that, that serve our community in different ways. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for people that do that. And I know their heart, if they could be here, they'd be here right now, but I, 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 I am real thankful for them. Uh, John chapter 3, uh, John chapter 3, and we are going to uh, uh, pick it up where we left off last time, talking about Nicodemus and how he is a man of the Pharisees and what all that means, uh, who the Pharisees are and what they're about. Um, l- let me just say this much. They're the ones that are always, uh, I've learned this over the years. If I lead someone to Christ and, and they get discipled and they come to church, uh, they cause a lot less trouble uh, than someone who thinks themselves to be religious. They just do. Uh, someone that thinks themselves to be some great religious person, uh, they're more likely to cause trouble in any area, uh, especially a church. I mean, the people that gave Jesus Christ the most trouble, they weren't the drunks. They weren't the outcasts, and they weren't even the prostitutes. The people that gave Jesus Christ the most trouble, the antagonists, if you will, were the religious crowd. Uh, and you might look at the world today and go, well, it's not like that anymore. Now it's different. No, it's exactly the same. Uh, even if you look at secular America, and it's quickly becoming a secular nation, if you look at that, uh, you go, well, well, they're not religious. They absolutely are. Humanism is a religion. It's just that man becomes God. That's the only difference. Let me throw it to you this way. All right, if I say you shouldn't sleep with someone until you get saved, until you get saved, you're married, wow, that's a big one. <laughs> This is on the internet now, and it's never going to be undone. This will never be undone. It's on the internet. Okay. You, shouldn't, you should not sleep with someone until you're married. Everyone these days kind of goes, oh, well, I, uh, uh. all right. Well, uh, that same person that has a problem with me saying that, me say, and they would say I'm judgmental for saying that, will also say I should recycle. Or that I should support Black Lives Matter. Or some other social justice and, and, uh, thing like that. It, it doesn't matter what the cause is. There's always going to be something that people look at and they go, that's what makes you important. That's what makes you righteous. All right? And, uh, and so people are intrinsically religious. It is the religion of humanism that, that is permeated through our society today, but still religious. You, you say, who's going to uh, give God the most trouble? Someone that thinks they're religious. Someone that thinks that they are righteous on their own. All right? And so that's who you're... Uh, the Pharisees are, but this man named Nicodemus, he's of that crowd. Uh, John chapter 3, look if you would at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Amen. All right? If you're not born again, you need to get born again. Amen. All right? And if you don't know what that means, we're here to tell you about that today. I'm going to ask Brother Joe. Uh, it's only been the fifth wedding this year so far, brother. If you go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer this morning, appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Yep.
Yes. Yes. Amen. So this man named Nicodemus is a man of the Pharisees. And as we talked about last week, and I wrote it up here as well, there, there were two primary ruling classes, if you will, on the religious side of Israel at the time of Christ's ministry, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There were other groups, but those are the primary ones mentioned in your New Testament. And, and of course, the, the major differences that you could point out, there are a number of them, but two of the bigger ones are that the Pharisees believed in angels and they believed in a resurrection. They basically believed in eternal beings and a resurrection that was to come. All right, look in your Bible, if you would, at John chapter number 11. Look at John chapter 11. Uh, and, and basically, a Pharisee was uh, uh, someone that believed in uh, ortho- Orthodox scripture uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, listen, it wasn't always what the Pharisees believed that was a problem. It was how the Pharisees executed what they believed that was a problem. Right. And let me just say this much. You can have all your doctrine right and all your doctrine sound. And I don't know how else to say this. You can be a real jerk for the Lord sometimes. Uh, you can really hurt people. You can really uh, 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 turn people against the Lord. Uh, you, can, you can cause a lot of damage by running your mouth, for example. There are some Christians in church that... They have the right Bible, they have the right doctrine, but on the way to church, they're gossiping about someone. On the way out of church, they're mentioning what they didn't like, what the pastor said. And during the week, they're talking about people, and then they go, I just don't know why I can't get my friends to come to church. I got an idea. I think I know why. All right? And, and so the, you say, who is this? These are the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees had everything right on the outside. It was the inside that was a problem. Now, I, I want to say this as well. you got two different extremes today in Christianity. One extreme says, well, because... The Pharisees had everything right on the outside. I'm going to go the other extreme and make the outside look like the, like the rest of the world and, and show that I'm spiritual that way because I know that it's not the outside that matters. It's just the inside. And can I say this as well? That's also a foolish conclusion because the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, the Holy Spirit is planted inside of you the moment you get saved. And what the Lord desires to do is he desires to work from the inside toward the outside what he's put on the inside of you listen if the lord has put peace on the inside of you the outside should not be turmoil does this make sense all right if the lord has put modesty and a modest spirit on the inside of you then modesty should be what's expressed on the outside is this making sense so it doesn't mean that just because the outside was the only focus of the pharisees that we don't care about the outside that's not what it means it means that the outside is not the most important thing Because what should matter is what's on the inside, and what's on the inside, listen, should work its way out. So you got you got two extremes today. You got the extreme fundamentalists, which would say if your haircut's not just right and your clothing isn't just right and this isn't just right, then you know maybe you're not saved, right? And they're just that that's that's silly, that's foolishness. And then you've got a lot of modern Christians today that go, none of that stuff matters at all. Now look, let me just say something right now. Uh, It is good to have some standards in your life. Jesus Christ said, accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And by the way, he even said the things that they're doing, you should do, but don't do like they do it. That's what he said in their manner. The problem is not so much what they believed or what they did as much as how they were executing their quote unquote faith. All right, look at John chapter 11 in regards to the resurrection. John chapter 11, uh, the Old Testament Jews understood that there was, in fact, a resurrection. They knew that. Uh, what they did not understand and what they could not see is what we call the rapture. Uh, the Bible describes the rapture as a mystery in 1 Corinthians 15. The Old Testament saints could not see that. All right, so they believed in a general resurrection. Uh, matter of fact, if you talk to most religious people today and you say, hey, when you die, what's going to happen? Here's how they think it's going to go. God's going to take me up there and he's going to see if my good outweighs my bad. Hopefully my good outweighs my bad. And, and therefore I go into heaven. And that's kind of how most people think, right? Uh, let me just tell you, if that's how you think, that's not how it works. All right, God's going to measure you against a man named Jesus Christ. And if you fall short of him, you don't go in. And by the way, we all fall short. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so, but, but in the general sense of a last and final judgment, all right, the, the, most people today have at least the concept somewhat right in this respect. God's going to open up the books and look at your works, whether they be good or bad. 
All right. And, and he's going to have books that lay out the works of your lives. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 20. All right. And so and so what do they believe from the Old Testament? They believed in that much. They didn't see the rapture. They didn't know all this other stuff, but they knew at the last day there would be a resurrection. Look at John chapter 11 and look if you would at verse 23. John eleven twenty three. 23. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the what? In other words, she goes, well, I know, I know way out there he's going to at the last day. You say, what's the last day? That's what Daniel talks about in Daniel 12. All right, won't go there right now, but in Daniel 12, he talks about how uh, in the end times, at the last day, the, the Lord's going to, some will be raised to everlasting contempt and some to everlasting uh, life. All right, now the, the difference from the Old Testament standard was that the law was the standard in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's not the law, it's the person of Jesus Christ, the one that came, came to fulfill the law. Does that make sense? All right, so, so in the Old Testament, they, that was their standard. Now you're judged by Jesus Christ himself, which, by the way, is a superior standard because it shows us that a person can keep the law completely. We don't because we don't want to. You go, well, I'm born into sin. Yeah, that's true, but you still come to a point where you go, I decide to do the wrong thing. And so did Jesus Christ, and yet he chose to do the right thing. That's what makes him different. All right, so again, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection at the last day, the Sadducees did not. Uh, l- look, if you would, at Acts chapter number 23. This is something that Paul brings up, and he brings it up more uh, than once, but this is kind of a place where it really jumps out at you from the pages, where, where Paul gets in a pickle. And you know what Paul does? Paul's smart. Paul knows if I want to get out of the situation I'm in, I got to get the attention off of me, and I got to get these two groups fighting together who are both after me, right? And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't like each other on their own. But when they found a common enemy, they would come together, all right? It's kind of like you look at politics, and both sides of the aisle, they have people that have been there for way too long, and they're corrupt, and they get together, and they do stuff. Same idea. Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't like each other, believed different things, but when it came to destroying, and in their minds, destroying Jesus Christ, they came together. In their minds, when it came to destroying Paul, they came together. Look at Acts 23 and verse number 6. Now, if you knew that one group believed in the resurrection, and one group did not, and you were Paul, what would you do? You might do what he, just, what he does here in verse number uh, 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other uh, Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead I am called in question. Now, can I just say this? Paul's using a little bit of sleight of hand because that's not exactly why he's there. Like, if you, if you kind of look at it from a different angle, you can say, yeah, that's why he's there, but it kind of isn't why he's there. He's kind of using sleight of hand to go, okay, I'm here because the rest... Now, he is, in a sense, because he's there to preach Jesus Christ, who arose and showed that there is a resurrection, all right? So he uses that. Look at verse number seven. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was what? Do you realize the devil does the same thing in your life? He gets you fighting with God's people to where you forget what you're actually here for. Those Pharisees and Sadducees, they had a mission. They were going to destroy Paul, and they forgot all about that once Paul brought that thing up. Uh, don't let that happen to you, all right, with, the, with, the, with your family, with your church family, with people that you ought to be united with. But what I'm trying to show you is that these two groups did not believe the same exact thing, all right? But when it came to get, going against the Lord, they got together. Uh, look, if you would, at Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to run through quite a few verses here uh, talking about the Pharisees, and we'll get to Nicodemus after that. Uh, the Pharisees, who are they? Well, uh, they are the major antagonists of the ministry of Jesus Christ. They're the ones that show up uh, with the questions to try to trip them up. They're the ones that try to point out where the disciples mess up, because if the disciples are messing up and the Lord did not tell them they were doing wrong, then he must be wrong as well. And so they're constantly trying to catch the Lord. They're constantly trying to, aha, we got you. Uh, look at Matthew 16. Look at verse. And by the way, can I just say this? I, I, I've, I've been tempted. I don't know that I, I'll do it. But if the Lord leads, I will. I've preached a message before. Anybody remember the, the Jeff Foxworthy skit from the 90s? You might be a redneck if. Anybody remember that? All right. Even if you're not a redneck, you should know what that is. All right. Because this is pretty funny. Uh, but, but I preached a message a couple years back called You Might Be a Pharisee If. And, and you know one of the signs of a Pharisee? They're always watching other people. 
They're always scrolling and looking at what other people are doing. They're always trying to catch what other people are wrong. You said this wrong. How would you even have noticed that? Unless your mind is bent on trying to catch a problem. Look at Matthew 16, verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And and the Lord just, look at verse 4. Look how he answers them. You know what the Lord doesn't do with the Pharisees? He never coddles them. You know what he does with a woman in John chapter 8 who's caught in adultery? Now, he doesn't coddle her. He he points out her sin. He says, go and sin no more. But he's the one that gets everybody else to drop the stones. Everybody's getting ready to stone her. And he goes, hey, boys, unless you're, uh, uh, unless you want to dig into this further and see how this whole thing happened, I suggest you drop the stones. They were ready to kill her. Why? We caught her. We caught her. We saw her. We, how did you, how did you guys even know where to look for this? Unless this was happening in public, which the implication is it was not, is that you caught someone doing something they shouldn't do. How did you know where to find her? Unless you were a part of it, unless you were looking for something. You see, the Lord addresses some of the Pharisees. He says, he says to that woman, he says, where are thine accusers? And she says, Lord, they're, they're gone. Well, then I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. He didn't justify her sin. He told her, go and sin no more. Get a hold of that. He dealt with the sin. However, can I also point out the Pharisees were ready to stone her on the spot. And the Lord stopped them. You know what that shows you? That shows you that if you're going to be on the right side of history, you don't want to be with that group. You don't want to be the person that's always looking. Now, look, you have to deal with things sometimes. You have to address problems with people sometimes. But you don't want to be the one that's constantly digging up dirt on other people. If that's you, you know what makes it worse? When you find dirt and then you go, hey, world, let me share it with you. Because let me tell you something, sister. Let me tell you something, brother. That comes around. You reap what you sow, and you do not want to be in a position where the Pharisees were because they don't end up on the right side of history. All right, look at uh, verse number four. The Lord did not tell them, oh, you guys are just misunderstood, and you don't understand, and maybe we just spent more time together. You know what he tells them? You're a wicked and adulterous generation. So they're offended with him already. Then he goes, you know what? Since you're offended, boom, let's open this door wide open. So now when you leave offended, you can really be offended. Now, you know what he did with someone that was broken? How can I help you? Can I wash your feet? But with religious people that ran their mouth, he put them in their place. You might learn something from that. Now, it doesn't mean you always have to be the Lord in every situation. You're not, and, we're, and I'm not. But, but let me just say this much. I learned this a long time ago. My pastor, uh, Brother Ionello, and that clock is way off. All right, we got to fix that. It is now 845 according to that clock, and we all know that is not right. So according to that clock, I have about two hours left. Uh, <laughs> but my, my pastor, Paul Ionello, taught me this. You meet a bold spirit with a bold spirit. And you meet a gentle spirit with a gentle spirit. You know, we get, we, get, we get it messed up sometimes. Sometimes someone's broken and they need you just to be gentle. And then sometimes someone comes up like this and you're like, oh, oh, oh no, you just, the Bible says, back off. All right, I don't mean being a jerk. I don't mean that. But I mean having some confidence about what you're saying because that spirit, and especially as it relates to hurting other people, if someone comes at me, no big deal. When you start hurting other people, like for example, in a church setting, or let's say a family, all right? Let's say you're a parent, and you see a sibling that's causing a lot of damage, and you ignore it. You're going to cause more damage by ignoring it. And you're going to cause more damage by treating it with kitty gloves. Oh, well, I, I don't want to, I know, and like, I, I, I mean, it, it, listen, man, uh, today's parents, you know, oh, yeah, I would, they would make me feel the same way. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. Man, my dad, if I was, <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was not, it was, conversation came later, man. I, I mean, you know what that is? That's meeting a, bold, a child can have a bold spirit. I don't want to. Well, that's, you better deal with that. And if you don't deal with that, the other kids are watching, guess what they're going to do? The same thing. Now, if you want parenting advice, see me later. If you're offended, see me later. We'll talk about it. Uh, but uh, what I'm trying to show you, and we'll look at some verses on this. Uh, look at uh, Matthew 9. I'm trying to show you the Pharisees, they... Uh, they were a problem. And, and you'll have a pharisaical spirit show up every once in a while, even in a church setting. 
Uh, One time I had someone trying to help other people uh, in our church, and they were trying to give them advice and give them books on certain subjects, and I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Then I realized, oh, I better say something. This is causing a problem. And let me tell you something. It did not go well. And I want to I say something here, and I don't want to offend anybody, but you live in a generation where ladies are... Uh, let, me, let, me, let me throw a couple things out there, ladies. I'm, I'm going to try to help you. Don't get upset with me. But I hear a lot about equality and how there's 10% of women that are CEOs, and we need to change that. I, I'm okay. You know what? If a woman's meriting the, the title of CEO, I'm, like, do it, man. Be that person. I have no problem with that. But my question is this. How come we don't have any women arguing about uh, how many women uh, sewer cleaners there are? There's a disproportionate amount of women bricklayers in the masonry industry. We need to change that right now. Why, why aren't you ladies lined up to change that? Well, we don't want that job. A little hypocrisy, isn't it? Right. I, I mean, let, let's just be honest about it. Now, and what, and then, now before you, I know somebody get real, uh, are you going to talk about feminism? Are you going to try to put us down? Calm down. Some of you need to just take a chill pill, seriously. <laughs> I mentioned certain subjects, and I can just see it right now. You're kind of just... Calm down. And, and, and let me just say this, and I know I said it before. I'll say it again. Um, my, my wife is treated very, 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 very well. Anyone that spends any time with my family knows I take very good care of my wife. What I'm saying is not that women should be a doormat. Gentlemen, you don't touch her until she wants you to and until you're married. Amen, amen. You don't, talk, you, don't, you don't mess around with her feelings unless you talk to her dad. I could go on and on about how to treat a lady. You open the door. You see her struggling with stuff. You wear a tractor supply yesterday, and I told my boys, this old lady's trying to pick up these bags of, of shavings. I said, boys, go help her move on. And, and you say, why? I want them to know how to treat a lady. All right? I, want, I think that's a good thing. But, but let me just say this much. To say that, that we're equal is not fair because we're not. I can't have a baby. It may look like I've had one, but I can't have a baby. I know that some of you are being taught that you can't have a baby as a man. That's stupid. I wish you would say it nicer. Sorry, I'm not going to say it nicer. That's stupid. You can't have a baby if you're a man. All right? These are things that are facts. And now you're the party of science. You're going to tell me that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking hatred because I'm telling a grown man you can't have a baby? Also, why do you want to have one, man? <laughs> you know how hard that is? I mean, good night. We are living in some weird times. But, but because of that, because of all the damage that's been done for the last several generations in our schools, in society, in entertainment, in Hollywood, all right, oftentimes the idea of a man leading something is like, well, that's chauvinistic. Well, if it is, if he's a jerk and he's trying to throw his weight around and say, I'm a man and you better follow me. If you have to do that, gentlemen, you're not a man. She's not going to want to follow you. Okay, that's not how you do that. The way that you do that is by loving her and serving her. I could preach on that all day long, but it doesn't change how God set it up. And what you have today is you've got a situation where when the Bible is preached, I've watched it a million times. A man will go, amen, and his wife will go, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And you know what? And listen, here's the old saying. You know what they're saying? He may be the head, but I'm the neck that turns the head. And you know what? Honestly, in society today, there's a lot of truth to that. So you know what happens after a while when mama's not happy? They're both gone. You say, what are you talking about? Well, let me say something. Uh, Ladies, you're going to have opinions about things. All right? And and gentlemen, you're going to have opinions about things. You both will. Uh, And you need to learn to work those things out in a marriage the right way. Well, one thing I can tell you, whether you're a man or a woman, is if you have a, a, a mindset that everyone has to do it just like you. In other words... If you don't have the same exact standards that I have, then you're not a good Christian. Can, can I just say this much? You need to be really, really careful with that. Because if you're not careful, what you're... Cla- I, now, look, listen, very carefully again. Some of you need standards. Some of you might need more standards, all right, in your life to help you. But that doesn't mean that you look down on other people who don't have them. And this is the problem with the Pharisee evil spirit. And then furthermore, not only do they do that, but then they get everybody else to go, yeah, aren't you on my side? And that was the problem that you find against the ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Matthew chapter number 9, Matthew chapter 9, and look, if you would, at verse number 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? 
Now, maybe you don't read your Bible that way. That's how I read my Bible. Like when someone's, why do you pay me? Why do you pay me? Why, why do you even, why does it matter to you? Right? Mind your own stinking business. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, uh, same chapter, look at verse number 34. Verse 34. All right? You say, what happens? Well, Jesus Christ casts out a devil. He, he performs a miracle. He gets an unclean spirit out of somebody. That's a, mirac- a miraculous event. Look at their response to it. You know, there are some people, even in a church setting or in a family or wherever, any, you know, maybe it's in a work setting, no matter how good something is, they find something to complain about. The Lord just did a miraculous thing. Well, he must be doing that because the devil's in him. First off, it doesn't even make sense. And, and secondly, what is your problem? Can you not just enjoy the moment? That's a pharisaical spirit. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 12. Matthew chapter 12. I don't have time to go through all these. I kind of wish I did, uh, but I don't. So look at Matthew 12. Look at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were Baptists. I mean, they were hungry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, <laughs> what? Where? Like, okay, I'm just wondering, where are they? Like, do they have binoculars? What are they doing? Like, why are you, where are you guys? You're always, it's like Big Brother. You're everywhere. It's almost like when the Lord is working and doing something, rather than submitting to that spirit, I'm going to antagonize that and go against it. I'm still going to be around, but I'm not going to help. I'm just going to make it hard. Yeah, that's it. That's a fair sequel spirit. Uh, look what happens here. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. And the Lord clears it up. He, he, he deals with it the right way. Look at the same chapter, verse number 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him. You know what? I, here's what I want you to get. If you can't find what you believe between you and God on your own and stay on that, on that conviction by yourself, if you always have to do things by committee, there's something wrong with how you're doing things. Now, I'm all for unity. I'm all for the church. That's what the church is about. But in other words, if you could not make a decision without going, hey, everybody, aren't you on my side too? That's one of the dangers of social media is you live in a vacuum where everyone just echoes whatever you want. Right? Like, like, like if I have a problem with someone and I put it out there, everybody goes, yeah, they're a jerk. And you're like, yep, I was right. I was right. I had 50 people like it. I had five hearts, three sad emojis. I had two thumbs up. I had, and I had 25 comments about how that person's such a jerk. So I was right. If that's how you have to live your life, it's not the right way. You should look at the mirror and go, what I did was right because God said it, therefore it's right. All right? The Pharisees are always trying to get everybody together against, in this case, the Lord. Look at verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, that's a, a name, another name for the devil, the prince of the devils. They accused the Lord of casting out devils with devils. Look at verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees saying, an answer saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. In other words, you better prove it to me. Think about this. A created being looks at the creator and says, prove it. What, what, think the, the, the boldness in that spirit. It's not the right kind of boldness. Uh, the Bible says in Acts 4, the disciples uh, 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 were bold, all right, and they preached the gospel in spite of the fact that they were going to be thrown into prison. They said we ought to obey God rather than men, Acts 5. There was a boldness, but that's a holy boldness versus an unholy boldness. A holy boldness will have you go out in the world and do that which is uncomfortable for you and inconvenient for you, but that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. A holy boldness will do that. An unholy boldness will have you come to church and say, bless me if you can. It'll have you sit there when someone's trying to show you what's right in your life, and you go, I'm not listening. I don't care what you say. I know I'm right. You say, what is that? That's where the Pharisees were at. You don't want to be there. Let's look at one more example. Look at Matthew chapter 23. This is what I call, I think this is the right place. Matthew, yeah, this is it. Uh, if you're a Pharisee, you don't want to be around for this message. There's like 20, okay, normally I've got like three to five points in a message, a couple illustrations, conclusion, right? I mean, the Lord has like 20 points and they're all like, you guys are the worst. <laughs> I mean, not you, but the Pharisees, all right? Uh, look at Matthew 23, look at verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, 
For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses from for a pretense to make long prayer. Therefore shall you receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you come to sea and land to make one proselyte, that's a disciple, and when he's made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. I mean, good grief. If I preached this to someone today, they would walk out and never come back. Or they get a group of people together to try to shut me down, which is what the Pharisees did. Now, what I'm trying to show you is that Nicodemus is an exception to all of that because he's in that group. But he's looking around going, guys, maybe we're not right. Maybe, maybe we're approaching all of this the wrong way because, honestly, all I get around you guys is an angry, judgmental, bitter spirit. And all I see in Jesus Christ is grace and love, and even when he's addressing sin, he doesn't sugarcoat it, he addresses it. And when he's addressing us, he lets us have it because we've got the wrong spirit in us. I mean, he j- I, think, I think Nicodemus sees something different in the Lord that the others don't see. He's an exception to the rule. Brother, if you go to the next slide, uh, l- let me remind you that, that when he comes, look at John chapter 3, if you would. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now, I, I, I mean this sincerely. I don't feel like our church is uh, a church of pharisaical people at all. I'm not preaching or saying this to give you the implication that I believe that. But here's what I believe. Um, I have Terminex come to my house. And I have them come, uh, I think, every other month or something to spray. You go, you even do it in the wintertime? Yeah, I don't want the mice in there. I don't want, yeah, I want, the, I want to take care of the problem before it happens. They're, they're an out, what is it, the old saying? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We don't have a Pharisaical spirit, but I don't want it around. Amen. Uh, look at John chapter 3, and look, if you would, at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus. How? What, at what time did he do it? Why did he do it? He didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to be seen with the Lord because he knew what it would cost him. Now, before you get too... Like, I don't want us to come on too hard to Nicodemus because Nicodemus, by the end of this thing, uh, he ends up on the right side of history. But, but I want to show you that some people, when they, when they first show up, it's going to kind of be like, uh, I hope no one notices that I came to this church on the side of a bank when it's like zero degrees. And I don't know these people and I don't know what they teach and I don't know what they believe. It just kind of slip in and kind of slip out. Nicodemus came by night. He didn't want to be noticed because he knew what it might cost him. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter number 9. John chapter 9. You say, what happens in John 9? Well, we will get to it eventually, but I at least want you to see this for now. Uh, there's a blind man that receives his sight at the hand of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ heals a blind man. And, uh, you know, by the way, that's what you're called to do today is to, he- to, to help people that are spiritually blind, living in darkness, uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But look at John 9, and look, if you would, at verse uh, number 22. Uh, And you say, what's going on? The Pharisees, after this man is healed of his blindness, they go to his parents. Uh, These words spake his parents. uh, Look look at verse 21, sorry. Uh, but, But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. Now, I kind of think they might know. But I kind of think they're afraid. Uh, because just naming the name of Jesus Christ as the rabbi, as the master, would get you in trouble with the Pharisees. Um, and, and by the way, that you, ought to, you ought to live such a life to where you're not so easily offended that if someone just uses one word, it ticks you off. Th- these Pharisees, when they mentioned the name of Jesus Christ, it was like, <gasps> I mean, you, you just the tension that came over. Um, you know, I wish, I wish I could dress up like the Pope and every once in a while address the United Nations. I wish I could. I wish I could slip on the costume because he gets to do it every once in a while and just go in there and preach the gospel uh, because he gets to go in there and, and, and you know, talk about love and, and peace and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and let me say this. The Lord wants you to have love. He wants you to have peace, but he wants you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. Uh, that said, look at John chapter 9 and look at verse 22. These words spake his parents because they what? When you're afraid of people, It'll keep you from saying the things you ought to say. When you're afraid of what people might think of you, you might be tempted to not witness at work. You you might you might be now look, I I I know some things that are said from the pulpit here are kind of tough, but 
Hey, you ever, anybody here ever, like, I don't know, gone through military training? Any of you people gone through military training? Right, anybody gone through any sports training? Any sports? Anyone have a coach? Raise your hand if you've ever had a coach. You're, did they go, oh, how are you feeling today? <laughs> oh, you know what? You don't want to do that rep. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. We're all, we're all, tr- we're all on our own journey, you know? So, I mean, you know what that coach does? He tells you, no, do it again. Well, I don't want to. Do it again. Now, I, I, you know, I don't know that maybe it's not the right analogy. Maybe it doesn't, it doesn't relate in your mind. But I believe part of a pastor's job is to kind of be a spiritual coach for you and kind of tell you, here's some things that you may not like to hear, but they're good for you. Uh, look at John chapter 9. Look, if you would, at verse 22. They feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be what? Put out of the synagogue. Now, let me say this, even today, if you're going to speak up for Jesus Christ, it can cost you, especially in social circles, maybe with your family. Uh, But let me just say this much. When you get to the other side of glory, you're going to be glad you did. Uh, Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 42. John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not what? In other words, I know he's right. I, you know, I, I've watched this before. It's one of the saddest things to watch as, as, a, as a preacher is to see someone go, that's absolutely a thousand percent true, but I can't acknowledge it publicly because if I do, it's going to cost me. Um, and, and so what you're seeing here is this. The reason why Nicodemus came by night is he was afraid. Can I say this? Maybe He's a good picture in my mind of a Christian who's kind of afraid of being associated with Jesus Christ. He knows what's right. He's heard it. He believes it. But there's something there that goes, I just don't want to, I don't want to be called a Jesus freak. I don't want to take my Bible to school because they'll make fun of me. I don't want to take my Bible to work because they're going to think I'm a Bible thumper. Let them think, hey, it's better than thumping marijuana. It's better than thumping the old stuff. It's better than thumping the others. I mean, they, if you're going to thump something, the Bible's a good thing to thump, all right? Uh, so, so what I'm getting at is that there's that natural fear of man. Here's what I've learned. If you are afraid of man, you won't be fearful of God. And if you fear God, you can stand in front of anyone, and it doesn't matter what they say, and you can stand with confidence and assurance and nope, eh, it's okay. You can, you, they spit in your face, they mock, eh, it's all right. And there's a confidence there that you will not have if you fear them over the Lord, all right? So there's a lesson there. You know what the lesson is? The lesson is fear God, not man, all right? Look at John chapter number 7. John chapter 7. We're just skipping around John because John mentions this character, Nicodemus, where the other Gospels don't. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. Uh, by the way, the, the Gospel of John is the only Gospel that mentions the conversation about being born again. There's a reason for that as well. Um, and, and I don't want to go into too much of it right now. I'm looking at the clock going, that's useless. Um, uh, I, I don't want to go into too much of it right now, but, but I'll just say this much about it. Um, in, in, in regards to when John was written, it was written later than the other Gospels, and I believe there's a good chance it was written after Paul uh, is, is saved, and Paul talks about the mysteries uh, of, of spiritual circumcision and all that kind of stuff. Because John's the only one that mentions being born again while the other Gospels don't. Here's something that's crazy, though. You want to hear something that's even crazier than, than everything we've mentioned so far? The Lord gives John or Nicodemus instructions on something he would have to do that he could not do at that moment in time. You couldn't be born again at that moment. Christ hadn't even died yet. All right? It was still the Old Testament. But, but we'll get to that in a moment. Just bear, bear with me. Look at John chapter number 7. John chapter 7. And look, if you would, at verse number 46. John chapter 7, verse 46. And, and uh, look, if you would, at John 7, 46. The officers answered, never man spake like this man. That's a great statement about Jesus Christ. Now, now think about this. He's the one that said, ye are of your father the devil. He's also the one that said, go and sin no more. You can't, you can't have just one side of the coin, folks. You've got to take them both together. And what you see is a holy and righteous God manifest in the flesh. And when he sees that someone is broken, he's very gentle. And when he sees that someone is full of pride, he does not hold back. All right? And, and so, the, but they said, never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? In other words, 
No one from our groups believed on him. It's like the mean girls, you know? You know? Like, this is our club, and you can't be a part of it. In other words, like, like no, no one here believes this stuff, right, guys? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look at verse 50. Look who shows up. Because he's part of that group. Nicodemus saved him, he that came to Jesus by night, just in case you were wondering if it's the same one. Being one of them, notice the wording here. Look what he does. Doth our law judge any man before it hear him? And know what he, and know what he doeth? They answered and said to him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. That's actually a false statement from the Old Testament. There were prophets from Galilee. All right? uh, Jonah's one of them. And every man went into his own house. But do you notice how Nicodemus kind of finds a way to stick up for the Lord without saying he's one of them yet? You catch that? Look at John chapter 19. Now, by the end of the story, he comes all the way around. You know what my, you know what my encouragement to you is? If you're kind of nervous about being identified with Jesus Christ, can, can I encourage you, just stick around a little bit longer. Amen. Eventually, you'll get the boldness that you need. Yes, sir. All right, look at John chapter 19, because look, look what Nicodemus does. He keeps showing up. He keeps kind of watching the Lord and kind of staying close enough to him, uh, but he watches from a different vantage point than the other Pharisees. He doesn't watch him to, to find a fault with him. He watches him to learn. He watches him to glean truth. Look at John 19, and look, if you would, at verse uh, 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, this is after the death of Jesus Christ, all right, uh, b- but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also who? Which at the first came to Jesus by night. You know why he's saying at the first? He's not, he's not coming at night anymore. Now he's like, guys, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this charade. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of being one way with one crowd and one way with another. I just think you guys need to know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and look how it's stated here. The Bible says that he can't, uh, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a 100-pound weight. You know how you know that someone's serious about following the Lord? They're willing to give something up. And Nicodemus is willing to give up not just the myrrh and the aloe, but his, his following with the Pharisees. That's a big deal. All right. So, by the way, Nicodemus's name means the people's victory. I'm not sure how that necessarily ties, but my only thought on that might be this. Uh, you can have victory in Christ if you quit being a secret disciple. Amen. Uh, you, just come, yeah, you Christians need to come out of the closet. Seriously. Everything else is jumping out these days. You need to be out there, too. All right. Let people know what you stand for and what you believe. Uh, the world needs to see that. All right. Now, go back to John 3. We don't have too much time left. Uh, some may argue we have no time. We'll... we'll Let's just pray about it together, shall we? Uh, John chapter 3, look if you would at uh, verse 2 again. And, and I want you to notice that I love the way Nicodemus approaches the Lord. He's kind of like, yeah, you know who I run with, and they hate you. So when I show up, I'm like waving a white flag, like, Lord, I think you're cool, you're great, you're awesome. No one can do what you do unless God was with him. And that's kind of why he shows up. Uh, look at verse number 2. Uh, it says here, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He calls him rabbi, which is a big deal. All right, that word, a teacher come from God, for no man can do these what? Miracles. miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. All right, the only recorded miracle so far in the Gospel of John would have been the water wine. Kind of, kind of. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter 2, and uh, look, if you would, at verse 23. I'm going to show you something I think is kind of interesting. John chapter 2, verse number 23, and then look at Matthew 21. I believe there's a precedent that was set that when Jesus went in and cleansed the temple, both times, the first and the second time, that when he went in and cleansed the temple, that following that cleansing, he did miracles and healed those that were sick. All right? So look in John 2 and look at verse number 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the... All right, now, this is not a deep thing. You kids in school, all right? Is miracle... You better not mess this up. That's all I'm going to say right now. There's a lot of pressure on you. Leonard, I'm looking at you, okay? Is miracle singular or plural? Singular. Okay, good. All right. And miracles would be plural, all right? So when he says miracles, and the only miracle that's like listed out in John 2 is the water to wine. You know what that tells me? Something else is going on. There are other miracles. It just doesn't contain all of them in that passage. So look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Matthew 21. And, and boy, there's some, wow, you could really dive into this. Don't have time for all of it. 
uh, I think when I die on my tombstone, it's just going to say he didn't have enough time. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Is that kind of morbid? I don't know. Maybe too, too far. Uh, Matthew 21. Uh, look, if you would, he ran out of time. That's that's truth. Uh, Matthew 21. Look, if you would, at verse number. You need to learn to laugh, guys. Seriously, don't take yourself so seriously. That's funny. All right. I'm talking about myself dying. It's okay. All right. Uh, Matthew 21. Look at verse number 13. And said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. It's the same thing that happens in John 2. So at the beginning of Christ's ministry, he cleanses the temple. And at the end of his ministry, he does it again. Now notice what happens in the next verse. Look, if you would, at verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he what? You know what I think is going on in John chapter 2? The same exact thing, because he just cleansed the temple. I think that's it's going to show you a couple things. Number one, if you want God to do some miracles in your life, clean up your act. There's some stuff that needs to get cleansed out of the temple. We're going to go into that in the morning message, but that, there's some stuff that's in there that's buried deep that needs to come out. All right? And, and, and the second thing I'll say is this, is, is that the Lord sometimes just wants to see if you're paying attention in the passage. When it says miracles, you ought to go, well, he only mentioned one, so what does this mean? And when you compare Scripture with Scripture, you might find your answer. And the third thing I'll say is this, the purpose of the miracles, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to go ahead and stop here, try to kind of behave a little bit and not, you know, get out at 11 o'clock like we sometimes do. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and look if you would at verse number 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, and it says this, for the Jews require a what? Now, I've been through this before, but let me, let me just close with it one more time. People say all the time, why doesn't God, we never got to baptism, we'll do that next week, all right? We'll get into that next week, all right? Uh, But why does God not do what he did in the old, how come the Lord doesn't show up and do miracles like he did back then? Well, you know, here's the thing, first off, even if he did, some people wouldn't believe. How do you know? In the tribulation, God is literally going to have an angel. I've had someone tell me, if God just like put graffiti in the sky, I believe him. Literally, an angel is going to fly through heaven and the entire world, a global phenomenon where the whole world is going to see this angel, and he's going to preach a message, and there will still be people that won't believe. Okay? So you, you believe because you either want to believe what God said or you don't. All right? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All right? Uh, however, in regards, to, uh, in regards to this, what I want you to understand is that when it comes to the Bible and how it's broken down, all right. Basically, here are the three groups of people that God can ever address in any passage of Scripture. And I'm going to say this. All the Bible is for you, but not all the Bible is to you. Never forget that. All right. So there are some things that God has written specifically to the nation of Israel. Some things that God wrote to Gentiles, like what you read about in Romans chapter two, and some things that are written specifically to the church, like Paul's letters. All right. But I can read Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, all right, Deuteronomy. I can read all those books, even the Chronicles, which you sometimes dread reading. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to, our morning message is out of Chronicles. If you don't like Chronicles and you want to slip out in between the services, you can do that, all right? But, but what I want you to get, I can read all these things, and I should because they're all for me. The Bible says the things were written, uh, for time were written for our learning, but they weren't all written to us, all right? And so as it relates to the signs, the Jews require a sign. Well, you're not an Old Testament. Most people here are probably not Old Testament. I mean, you're not Old Testament, that much I can tell you. But, but most of you are not Old Testament Jews. You're not Jewish. And if you're not a Jew, all right, you're not living under the Old Testament, then, then listen, you need to kind of quit looking for a sign. Because God gave you everything you need in that book right there. Now, the reason the Lord did those miracles was to confirm that He was the Messiah. Look at Mark 16, and we'll close with this thought. Mark chapter 16. Signs and miracles are done to confirm the word, and especially because God gave... Listen, uh, you may not realize this, but Christianity wasn't a a European thing. Christianity is not a white man's religion. It came from Shem. It came from Asia. All right? The Jews... Ever heard anti-Semitic? Do you know where the word Semit or Semite comes from? It comes from Shem in your Bible. All right? So so look, look if you would... uh, Mark chapter 16. Every book in this Bible is written by a Jew. The oracles of God are, are given to the Jews. All right? That was a, 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 one of the many blessings that God put on the people of Israel. 
What, what we have to understand is this. Until the book was complete, you know how the Lord would deal with them? Do you know how he would interact with them? He would say, this prophet is of God, and you know it by this miracle that he can do. Look at Mark 16. Look, if you would, at verse number 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. This is the conversation he has with the apostles right before he goes up to glory. And they went forth and preached everywhere, verse 20, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with what? All right, I, I don't need that now. I've got God's revelation in my hand. <laughs> they didn't have that. You, sometimes as Christians, we think they had the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John while they're going through it. They don't have any of that. All they have is the Old Testament. So you know what the Lord is doing? He's performing miracles to prove that he is the Messiah sent from God. So when Nicodemus shows up, he goes, I know you are who you say you are because no one could do the things that you're doing unless God was with him. Now, what I love about it is the Lord's response. He doesn't say, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Your affirmation means everything to me. Thank you for validating my person. Uh, you know what he says? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We'll stop there. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for it cleansing us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's kind of like taking a spiritual bath, just opening this book up. There is no book like this book, and we thank you for it. Lord, I, I, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, starting with, me as, as pastor, Lord, help, help all of us, Lord, to reject, Lord, the mindset of a Pharisee. Lord, help us not to be so focused on what everyone else is doing. Help us be focused on our own walk with God. God, starting with me right here, Lord, I, I pray you'd help us to have, have a, a zeal and a desire to learn from you, Lord, to, to not find fault in how you do things. And there are so many other things that we learn from them. And just pray you'd help us, Lord, to basically, Lord, handle things the opposite from how they did. <laughs> Uh, Lord, I, I pray you give us a great spirit in here today. Lord, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray you bless the kids as they're learning now and, and, and help them, Lord, as they're getting so many truths, Lord. And some of these kids in the next couple of years, they'll be in youth group and then beyond that, graduating and moving on to the next stage of their life. Lord, I pray you help them to make choices that please you. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there. <laughs>